Welcome to the five questions for a field service expert podcast. This is the show for field service professionals where we dig into the big questions about field service delivery and management. Every episode, we ask a field service expert five questions that can help you do your job better. Today, we're talking to Sarah Hatfield, Vice President of Product Management at OnProcess Technology. OnProcess is a managed services provider that works with complex global supply chain organizations to optimize the flow of people, parts, and services following the sale of a product. Sarah leads OnProcess's strategy for the company's products and services, as you might gather from her title, and she uses her 15 plus years of experience in supply chain to build and manage solutions for field service management, among other uh, sectors. She has an extensive background in product and program management, having worked at Comcast, Assyrian, ADT, for the early career includes four years of active du uh, duty uh, with the 25th Infantry Division of the United States Army, and she is a veteran of foreign wars as well, the recipient of multiple service awards, including the Combat Action Badge. Sarah, welcome, and we are delighted to have a few minutes with you today. Hey, Dan. Thanks so much for having me. So, Sarah, we have five questions for you, as we do for all of our field service experts. Uh, are you ready to go? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Cool. So uh, let's talk about metrics to start. There are probably too many to mention uh, in field service, but when, when they're really important, it's what a field service leader sort of lives, lives and dies by. Uh, they may encompass productivity, CSAT, assets, inventory, contracts, financials, you name it. Uh, what what field service KPIs would you isolate and consider sort of the most critical to measure and optimize for? Gosh, I mean, you really hit it, Dan. You said there's so many to choose from. Um, but if I were really to isolate to figure out what was going to drive the greatest value for an organization, I think first and foremost, my head really goes to customer satisfaction. Um, you know, so the rate of sounding cheesy, it's that's really the root of all things in field service management. It's really the customer that keeps us all in business on a day-to-day -day basis. And I really think that at the end of the day, it's a differentiated customer experience that's actually going to be what determines the winner in the market. So I would start with CSAT first and foremost. Um, and then after that, you know, I'd have to probably say utilization or productivity. Um, and that's something that is a challenge for everyone in field service management. And I mean, it's just... Field service management is just ridden with those organic utilization challenges, right? So if you think about it from the labor perspective, you're dealing with everything from training to vacations or windshield time or administrative time or sick time. I mean, the list goes on. There's a million reasons why your technicians can't be productive every moment of every day. Um, but it doesn't just stop with labor either, right? So when you vehicles or even tools, they often fall into the same category because you have both planned maintenance and unplanned maintenance. Tools break, vehicles go down, they need to be fixed. And while while organizations are carrying these, these heavy fixed costs, they're literally paying for these assets, whether the assets are people or tools and vehicles, and they're not fully utilized. Um, so that's one of the first places that I look, is looking to see what is a utilization or a productivity um, rate for any organization. I think it tells a lot about how um, effectively and efficiently their business is being managed. I really appreciate um, that, that so practical view. Sorry, go on, go on. I was gonna say, so after CSAT and, and productivity, I really look next at go-backs. 
or first time resolution kind of, um, you know, on the other side of the spectrum. When, when you have technicians that are going back for multiple, multiple check-ins, multiple service orders, instead of having that, that first time resolution, it drives incredible cost into the business. You're having a negative customer experience and then the downstream impacts from there, perhaps you lose the customer or perhaps you have to go through a lot of additional work in order to regain the customer's trust. So there's a lot of cost associated with the customer experience side of it. But then there's also the more traditional cost that you would expect to see. So if you send a technician out to a job and the job isn't done right the first time, you now have to schedule a second one. So you probably are driving an in, a call into the, into the call queue, a new inbound call. Um, you're also having to roll a truck for the second time, which we all know is incredibly costly. Um, so I think I would look at, at first-time resolution or, or reducing go-backs probably next. And then I think SLA adherence is also incredibly critical. And, and when I think about SLA adherence, it's definitely that end-to-end -end SLA. Did you make your entire, um, you know, metric or KPI on time? But I think it's also the small ones along the way, right? It's not just was the job completed in the time that it needed to be that it needed to be completed in. It's was it accepted? Um, was it assigned? Was the technician on route in a timely manner that allowed them to have enough time to get to the job and complete the job um, in time? So I look at all of those SLAs along the way. So overall SLA adherence as well, I would say, is pretty critical. That's awesome. It's super comprehensive reply looking at it from sort of all dimensions of field service uh, management and delivery. Um, spe speaking of delivery, the best we know the best kind is contracted and scheduled, planned, all that. But a good portion of demand we also know is unplanned. Talk to us a, a, a minute about a few of the best practices when it comes to managing those exceptions and scheduling and capacity handling with unplanned demand. Yeah, I mean, unplanned demand is just super tough. And I think that we all feel the pain of that, that pretty normally and understand what that feels like. I believe that unplanned demand or exceptions, if you want to call them that, really require a dedicated function. You can't expect your 80% your or your usual dispatch team to also really effectively respond to exceptions along the way and still um, you know, hit all of their regular SLAs and achieve all of the metrics that they're supposed to with the standard type of things because unplanned activity or an exception is distracting. I mean, it's, it's just really what it comes down to. And I think that's why we see so many organizations turning to outsourcing experts to manage their field exceptions. Because if you follow that kind of rule of thumb, that 80-20 part of the rule, that 20% is really, really costly. And it adds up quickly if it's not managed expert and efficiently. I like that, a dedicated team. Makes, makes a ton of sense. Let's shift over to yeah. dollars. Oh, I'm sorry, did you have another comment on unplanned demand? I'm sorry, Sarah. Oh no, I was just agreeing. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, good. Well, great. Then um let me let me move on to revenue then. Um and sort of value creation. So, talk to us for a minute about some of the innovative ways you're at on process you're seeing uh field service managers maximize revenue. We know technicians are are selling um maybe despite their, you know, their their uh wish to the contrary, but how how are you seeing the, the the field service leaders do um, do the revenue uh, numbers best. You know, I love how when you asked the question, you aligned revenue with value creation because there's so much that goes into that. 
Um, and I think probably the most interesting thing that I'm seeing right now is what I like to describe the evolution of field service management. Um, so when I think about field service management, I kind of think about it in three different ways. So first, everyone, you know, just kind of inherently and organically insourced everything. All of the teams were internal. Um, and then as companies began to become a little bit more cost conscientious and were looking for ways to really uh, maximize and um, make their businesses more efficient and more effective, you saw the trend toward outsourcing. And I think what we're seeing now is really that third wave, that, that continual evolution of service delivery. And what we're seeing is companies looking to transition to more of these Uberized type of field service networks where they're operating in these very variableized competitive marketplaces in order to improve customer experience and reduce costs at the same time and improve productivity. And of course, all of those three things actually working together in harmony to, um, you know, drive that overall value creation and improve the bottom line. So sticking with value creation for just a minute, Let's go into sort of the, 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 the zone of automation, artificial intelligence, and the like. So we know there's a lot of value being created by these technologies, by these experiments, if you will, or these sort of pilots. Um, given the state of technology and the fact that service ultimately is a people business, how do you see field service management evolving as an industry with, with the combination of those, of those forces? Yeah, so I had the opportunity to attend some really fantastic um, field service-based shows this past spring. Um, and at all of those, technology and AI and automation and machine learning and all these great things were really at the center of everything. And when I think about all of what I'm seeing and hearing um, about in the field, I think it all comes down to really looking at all of the work that we have in front of us in two primary categories. So very, very complex work and then less complex work. And I think that there is a home for all of these great new trends, automation, AI, um, it, and technology in both of those sectors. And I think what we're going to continue to see is, like I was describing, the evolution of field service management um, and a combination of both these Uberized style models where things are highly competitive and variableized, but also um, where we're looking at the AI and automation component of it also in that complex and less complex work. So I think we'll, we'll very quickly see the shift of each of these trends, starting with the less complex work, where we have our highly skilled labor forces actually driving the implementation of these things. So I think there's always going to be a people component, and I think that's really critical for success, for customer experience, um, and for tribal knowledge. But I think that we're gonna continue to see these technology trends um, with our more skilled workforce driving them in the less complex spaces and then continuing to uh, evolve into the complex as well. So my last question, Sarah, is really sort of zeroing in on this, this notion of the uberization of field service. Let's go a little deeper into that. You know, ser service orgs have been using freelance technicians for some time, obviously, for surges in demand or expanding into new geos, what have you. H how do you see field service organizations leveraging these distributed technician networks? So I just think that this whole notion of even Uberizing field service management in the first place is ridiculously cool. And I mean, it just makes so much sense when you think about it. So it's a variable labor model, and it's 100% based on a network of these authorized service partners, and it guarantees 100% productivity. 
But at the same time, you're also reducing costs and improving quality simultaneously. So it's, it's like a unicorn of field service management. Um, so, so here's how it works. So a company um, like an on-process or any managed service provider would integrate into their client system of record. And you know, this is really just to make sure that there is a seamless flow of real-time information. Um, but, so what happens is, as a dispatch would come through, that request would be instantaneously assessed to determine two things. And all this is happening in real time. But first and foremost, you would need to determine which of those authorized service partners actually can perform the work. And for this, you would look at things like, I don't know, geography or skill set or certification and part availability and SLA requirements to figure out literally who can actually do the work. But remember, because you have a whole network there, it's not just about finding you know, that one partner. And it's not about just finding one partner. It's about driving quality and improving costs. So how do you do that? It's, it's really about layering on a star criteria, just like they do at Uber. Um, but we would use that star rating to really determine which is the best partner to perform that work. But it's not entirely like Uber either, right? It's similar. And the reason that I say similar is because it starts with customer satisfaction just like Uber or like Lyft, but then it really ups its game on the maturity scale and layers in a whole suite of these operational analytics like the ones we talked about earlier in order to drive quality. So in the star rating, you know, you're looking at customer satisfaction, of course, but you're also looking at things like first-time resolution and SLA adherence and how deep their technician skill set catalog is. So all of those things help bring that layer of quality to it where it's not just who can perform the work, but then we take it even a step further and add in criteria like price. So if someone has a lower price point than one of the competitors in the service partner network, they would have a higher star rating from that perspective. And if it's balanced with quality and they have the highest quality metrics and the lowest price, they're going to be stack ranked at the very top. And then that work, that job that's come through from the client is automatically routed to that service partner with that highest star rating. So what we're doing here in this is really incenting these positive behaviors in the field. So like organically incenting the partner network to compete against each other. So it's a win-win because the partners are rewarded with a volume, which is of course what they're looking for, and the client is rewarded with the best quality, 100% productivity because they're only paying for what they use, and the lowest cost. But it's not necessarily the lowest cost. It's balanced appropriately with the quality. Um, so I mean, it's, it's really truly the absolute next wave of field service management, and I just think it's super cool. That is fascinating. You're clearly working on some really cutting-edge stuff and unprocessed, and I loved hearing about it today. Thank you so much for sitting with us for a few minutes and, and spending some time to talk about what you're working on and where you see the industry going. Yeah, thanks so much, Dan. You can learn more about Sarah and her work at Unprocess at onprocess.com. Thanks for listening to Five Questions for a Field Service Expert. For more expert views on field service, subscribe to the Mobile Reach blog at mobilereach.com.